Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to the Weekly Roundup. We have a bunch of cool news this week, as well as Wes from Second Opinion Games is on talking about our experiences with the Framemeister, the open source scan converter, and basically just old consoles on modern TVs, kind of as of summer 2016, so more of an updated upscaler thing. So um, I'll just jump right into the news. For the first bit of news, My Life in Gaming uploaded a video about controller adapters. I think it's going to be the first and part of a couple videos that go over this, but basically it's just adapters that can allow you to use a controller from one system on another. Um, I I liked the video both because it was a good video, and uh, it's also because that's kind of how I got into retro RGB and starting this stuff. Um, I bought a Wii, and then bought some of the older virtual console games, and then had a, a controller adapter that allowed me to use a Super Nintendo controller on the Wii itself. So that was pretty awesome to me, and that kind of was the slippery slope of RGB, because then I wanted closer to the real experience, and then eventually started what you see here. But um, yeah, great video, and it's really cool for people that want to do that, as well as people who want to do what I did, and just buy a Wii U, buy a virtual console game and an adapter, and then have a much closer to experience than the original than just playing with the you know any of the stock controllers. So definitely check that one out. There's been a small update to the Neo Geo ROM cart project. Darksoft has reported that there were a few bumps in the road, but he got them all ironed out. And now it looks like the first prototype carts will be arriving in August. So as long as there aren't any issues, we should see it released to the public, maybe a pre-order within a month or two. Um, But as with everything like this, there's always a possibility of some issues. So I'll keep everybody updated when there's more news. And as soon as it's open for pre-order, I'll let everyone know. An unfinished prototype of the Echo the Dolphin sequel for Sega Dreamcast was released, and it's pretty cool because it's uh, it's not finished, uh, there's no music or sound, and it's still very beta, but it's playable enough to where you could at least kind of check it out and see where they were going with it. Uh, and I guess the game got cancelled after Sega kind of fell apart after the Dreamcast and everything, but uh, it looked pretty neat, and it was something that if you're a Dreamcast fan or an Echo fan, you should probably just check it out just to kind of see what it was like. Uh, it's not like in a, a really playable in a way where you could beat the game, but it's definitely a fun thing to check out if you're into that kind of stuff. On the SMS Power Forum, user Mangaman3000 has uploaded a few patches for Master System paddle games. So the paddle games were the ones with like the spinner controllers, kind of like um, Breakout for Atari. Uh, And up until this point, unless you had that very rare and expensive controller, you couldn't really play the games. And he patched them to be playable with a regular controller. Um, I tried out the patches to make sure they work on real hardware, they work perfect. And some of the games are actually a lot of fun. I'd never had a chance to play them before because I don't have that controller. Um, And if anybody wants to sell me one at a reasonable reasonable price, let me know. Because those things go for a ton on eBay. But yeah, definitely cool and something worth checking out if you're into Master System games. E3 was this week, and while there wasn't too much news that's relevant to retro gamers, I figured I'd kind of go over everything that we would want to hear. And I guess I'll start with the Zelda game that was just talked about, and uh, for people watching on YouTube, I'll stick the um, video up there while I'm talking about E3. 
But basically, it's the next version of Zelda, and they're doing it the same way they did the Wii U Zelda release, where it's going to be released on the new Nintendo console, as well as uh, the Wii U, both in December of 2017. So we're a year and a half away. Um, it looks cool and everything, but I just it's hard to get excited about something that, that is that far off. I just um, I hope the NX really works out, because, you know, on the one hand, all the games I've played on the Wii U I liked, um, and power didn't really mean anything at all. It could have been on the Wii, and I probably would have liked them just as much. But on the other hand, I'm wondering what was missing and what couldn't have been done because it was very underpowered. So, like, the second screen, I never really felt that got utilized as well as it could have. I mean, I would have loved to have seen, like, a, a World War II airplane shooter where, you know, the person playing on the uh, flat screen is the pilot, and then maybe the co-pilot has the Wii U, con you know, controller trying to shoot the tail gun or something, but... I never really saw anything that complicated or cool, and I just assumed it was because the Wii U is as underpowered as it gets. So um, hopefully the new Zelda game will benefit from all the extra power, and you know hopefully that console will turn out well. But um, you know you never know with Nintendo. Sony announced that their PlayStation VR is going to launch on October 13th, and the VR Aim controller is going to have one-to-one -one tracking. So that's pretty cool and pretty big deal because a lot of the problems with the VR helmets are always, you know, you could see your hands when you're playing on the screen. So you could see the controller, you could see where the gun is aiming on the screen, but you can't see that if you have this visor on. So they claim that they got the tracking down and that it'll be a pretty much perfect experience. So I'm really looking forward to trying that out. Um, hopefully it'll put a different spin on the same style of games. Um, no word on the Sony 4K though, they didn't show that at all. and. I'm wondering if it's to, you know, if they're holding off on specs to compete with Microsoft or anything else, but basically whenever that's released, which I'm assuming is going to be about the same time, it's going to be the same as the PS4, just a small speed spec bump and support Ultra HD Blu-rays, which is a pretty cool feature. I might get one just for that reason, to be honest, but it seems like a neat update and I definitely want to at least try the VR because it seems like... We've been trying forever, from the Virtual Boy to the Sega 3D glasses, and even way back to the Vetrix 3D. Um, and this might be the first time we actually get close enough to have it be a decent experience. Microsoft actually announced two new consoles at E3. The first is the Xbox One S, which is just a smaller update to the Xbox One console. Kind of like when the PlayStation 3, and then they had the 3 Slim, and then that other one that's even smaller. So this is just um, a smaller revision that has a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray player in it. Um, and it's going to be released in a couple different models. The first one will be out in August for 400 and that's going to have a 2TB hard drive. And then they'll have uh, smaller ones out in December, which the smallest is only $300 that has a 500 gigabyte hard drive. Um, and they also announced the project Scorpio and talked more about that, which was their next actual gaming console. It's going to be released in winter of 2017, and it's supposedly the fastest console ever, which it is every time they announce a new console. So I never really paid too much attention to that. But they do claim that it's full 4K 60 frame per second playback. Um, and I'm sure they're going to have some kind of uh, VR set compatibility as well, but no official word on that. Um, and they did say that it's going to be using the same architecture as the Xbox One, um, just newer and faster. So that's kind of like if you buy an Intel i7 processor five years ago, and then you buy another one today, 
they're, the one you buy today is going to be way faster, even though they're both 100% compatible with each other. So the big advantage of this is that all Xbox One games will be fully compatible with this next system. And uh, I'm not a software programmer, but I'm pretty sure that also means that the APIs that they use are going to be similar, so that you don't have to relearn an entire new way to program a game. You could just kind of do it the same with a different set of speed limitations. Um, correct me if I'm wrong about that, any of the software guys are on that, but I kind of hope the other console manufacturers might stick to the same thing, because it might translate to better, you know, better games for all of us, because it takes less time to write them. Um, but I'll keep anybody updated anytime there's any real news about that. The Super Nintendo game Wild Guns is getting a PlayStation 4 remake soon. The developers said that they're going to try to keep it as close to the original look as possible, just with updated widescreen graphics. Um, I don't ever remember playing the original, I'll have to dig up my ROM cart and try it out, but it looks pretty cool, and if I end up with a PlayStation 4, I'm sure I'll end up buying it. Lastly at E3, Hyperkin showed off their Smart Boy adapter, which is basically just a case that you slide your cell phone into, and then it sits over the touchscreen buttons to allow you to play it with a controller. Um, this has been done ten times before with other solutions that never really worked because the size and shape of cell phones are always changing. Uh, this one looks kind of like a Game Boy, which I guess is why it's uh, it got some press, but I don't know. Hyperkin makes a bunch of really cool products that are really helpful that most people don't even know about, and then they make a bunch of stuff like this. So I just, I would never buy one. I don't understand why you would but I'd rather have a regular Bluetooth controller or a case or something. But And I think this even actually started out as an April Fool's Day joke. I think they put it up on a mock-up of it on their Facebook page and people were commenting on it, but I, I don't know what those guys are thinking sometimes. Now on to the Q&A stuff, and I'm sure I'm going to destroy the pronunciation of the screen names as usual. Sorry, I'm trying my best with those. But uh, first up, Fond Art says component noise on the PS2 is really only an issue on non-CRTs. On the average CRT, the difference is negligible. Yeah, I thought it was pretty clear about that, and I'm sorry if I wasn't. Um, so if you have an HDTV with an upscaler, or if you have uh, a calibrated BVM, or maybe not even, maybe you just have like a really nice Sony PVM, you probably will notice the difference. But on any consumer-grade TV, you won't really notice a lot of the stuff I talk about. So, things like first edition SNES versus the SNES Mini, yeah, I mean, I could definitely tell the difference, even on a basic Sony, you know, Sony Vega from the 90s, but when you start to get to the finite little things, like sync on green versus component on the PS2, um, it's definitely not something that's not even close to as noticeable. But more and more people are using upscalers and flat screens, um, so you're going to have a lot more people to run into the issue, which is why I always want to talk about it and post the info on the website. So, I'm sorry if I wasn't clear about that, and um, yeah, I hope I just helped put that into perspective a bit. Next up, the Analog Man had a few comments and uh, questions about PS1 and PS2 cabling. So, I'll start with the easier of the two. Um, he wanted to know if you could get Sync on Green through the PS2's component cables. Um, yeah, you could. You don't need the RGB SCART. You could do that. The only problem is that you would need to switch it to RGB mode in the menu uh, right when the console starts. So if you had a cable that also had composite video out, you could use that and then switch over. Or if uh, he asked if you could use one of those passive adapters so it's component to SCART. So it's just passive. It's just moving the pins over. It's not converting the signal. 
Um, you could, as long as your display accepted it. So, like, if you're going through the open source scan converter, you could probably do that. It'll look weird until you flick it into sync on green mode, and then it'll just work. Um, but I just think using RGB SCART would be a way easier scenario for all of that. But maybe you have a different setup that requires something different. So you could try. It's just a lot more work. And the other thing he mentioned, Phonedork actually emailed me about a couple months ago. That's a cool trick, but I don't want to put it on the site because it's not proper practice. But basically, if you have a PS1, the revisions that have the composite video and left and right audio actually on the back, you could use a PS2's component cable to get red, green, and blue for RGB, and then use composite video from the back of the PS1 to get sync. And you could plug it into your PVM, and it will definitely work. The only issue is that the RGB lines on a PS1 cable should have 220UF capacitors in them, which is what we talked about last week with Steve from HD Retrovision. So I didn't want to put that up on the site because it's not really a good thing. You could wear out or damage your PS1 after a while. Possibly, but it's still not something I would uh, I would want to recommend to people. Um, overall, I would just suggest getting the correct cables and kind of doing it the right way, um, especially because as these things get rarer and older, you don't want to ruin your console just because you didn't have the right cable. But cool comments and definitely worth talking about, so thanks for sending those. Next, John Malia asked, what's the best way to store our old systems when not in use? Um... I mean, it's kind of like classic cars, right? You can go overboard and put it in a hermetically sealed box so the paint doesn't change, but I think just a more basic practice would probably be helpful. Um, I know what I used to do before I stuck all my consoles in boxes. Well, I had one big tower with all my consoles on, and then they went into a surge protector, which I unplugged from the wall which uh, when I wasn't using it. So, um, you know, surge protectors... Depending on what brand you buy, the surge protection doesn't matter. You're basically just splitting the power. But don't put a surge protector into another surge protector unless you absolutely have to. Um, and then I, you could just flick the switch off, but then you're still plugged into the wall. So if there's a lightning strike or a brownout or something, it might still affect it. So I would just, when I wanted to play my consoles, I would plug the surge protector in, you know, power on the one console I wanted. And then when I was done, turn everything off and unplug it. And that seemed to help. Um, maybe any electrical engineers could chime in on that because that's what I did with one of my RGB monitors as well. Actually, all of them, I don't plug them in until I use them. Um, and one of them died twice in a year. So I don't know if not leaving it in standby hurts. I can't imagine why it would. So if anybody wants to chime in on that. And then the second part of his question was, uh, when he unplugs his SNES, if he turns the console switch on, the LED light lights up for a second. So there's still a current going through that discharged when he turned it on. Is it good to fully discharge the system like that every time you're done using it? Uh, good question. Um, I think that's one for an electrical engineer. So, Steve from HD Retrovision, if you're listening, maybe you could comment about that and let me know your opinion. That's a pretty cool question, though. I uh, hope to get the answer to that myself. But basically, I would just leave everything into a surge protector and unplug that when you're done. Next, Simbin asked, how do you get rid of wavy lines on the PS2 component cables? So after he asked that question, we kind of went back and forth a few times, and I think, I, if I understand correctly, he has a flat-screen TV that when he plugs in his PS2 via component, he has a, a line that occasionally will just float up the screen. Um, I had the exact same thing on my Wii, and it started one day, I'd been playing, I think I was playing Link to the Past Virtual Console, and then... One day I turned it off, turned it on the next day, and it happened 
bad. I mean, it's just a thick line that's just constantly scrolling up the screen. Um, and I, I tried different component cables, and then I tried moving the wires around, thought maybe it's interference or something. And then I kind of ran out of time and let it go for a few weeks. And when I powered it back on, it never happened again. So it could be, because it's analog video, there could be a ton of things interfering. It could be bad power. It could be something radiating too close to the cables. Um, cables should be shielded enough to not have this issue, but, I, I mean, I still see it. So, uh, good question, and I don't know. I wish I could dig into it. So if anybody ever has this problem or knows how to fix it or has any suggestions, maybe chime in on this or on last week's video, which uh, his original question was in. But I thought that was a good question because I've seen it before and I didn't have time to troubleshoot. So I don't really know why it went away. But sorry I couldn't be more help. Okay, two questions left. Uh, next is from Ben, the same Ben that does the retro DC powered adapters, those awesome things that power Genesis, Sega CD, and 32X all at the same time. Um, he says he always hears about people having jail bar issues and other sync things like checkerboard effect, and he never sees any of them on his consoles, which is kind of curious why. Well, some consoles just never output them. So SNES, I've never really had a jail bar problem with SNES ever, on any revision, to be honest. And some consoles are notorious for it. So, um, also, it could be your display. So if you're using an upscaler and a, a flat-screen TV, jail bars are really noticeable. Whereas if you're just using an RGB monitor, the, the scan lines kind of blend them in enough where you don't really see them. Um, I know personally, when I started using my Sega Master System on my RGB monitor, I, I thought it was great. I thought it looked way better than composite, but there was something kind of up about it. I didn't really know how to describe it or what it was until I got a capture card that was really sensitive to jail bars. So once I was able to use that and kind of have the, the picture in front of me of the jail bars and then play the master system on the monitor, I could then notice, oh, all right, that's why this looks funny because it's kind of the same. So I guess if you're using an RGB monitor or especially a consumer TV, you would never see jail bars anyway. Um, but maybe you're just lucky and all your consoles are already output crystal clear video. So I hope that's the case for you. Uh, and then kind of tying into that question, so I'm gonna, that's why I'm answering them both together, is Perkinson78 asked, is there a revision deal with the SMS? He has an XRGB Mini and an RGB monitor and doesn't see jail bars on either. Um, and he's using a Japanese SMS as well. So yeah, first of all, to just point blank answer your question, there's a ton of revisions of the SMS. And some actually have components moved, uh, some have different BIOSes, um, and I actually spoke to Tim Worthington about this a while back, and he he kind of felt that some of the revisions were poorly designed. You know, you have power traces running right by video traces, and um, it could cause a ton of interference, a uh, ton of problems. Um, and I actually also have tested the Japanese SMS just like yours, and that, for me, was the worst one. So, um, I guess I should rephrase that. So, I, out of all the master systems I've tested, I've tried a bunch of different jailbar fixes, and then I would do an RGB bypass just to see what happens. And uh, the worst offender of all was one of my American SMSs that was just awful, awful jailbars to start. And then after I did the bypass, that actually looks great. And the Japanese SMS that I tried, uh, I actually have three of them now, so... Um, the f one that I actually did the full bypass on, originally it was just as bad as everything else, and when I did the bypass it was improved, 
but there was still a bunch of noise on the line, a bunch of jail bars. So I'm trying to, to really nail down what's up with the SMS. It's been a nightmare. Uh, I haven't updated the SMS section of my website yet because I just don't even know what I would put. Um, and I just hope to eventually nail down what's the best revision. At the moment, doing the RGB bypass for anybody that is having the issue will work. Um, Retrofixes is offering that as a service now. I have a few leftover consoles I'd be willing to sell if anybody wants that have the bypass already installed. I keep meaning to put those up on eBay and just having a time to. Um, but hopefully, I would love to eventually say, here's the best revision SMS to get. Here's how you get rid of the jail bars on it, and here's how you improve the rest. Um, but generally speaking, at the moment, if anybody is like a huge SMS fan that wants to play their games the best possible way, Genesis is actually um, really the best way to do it for now. Hopefully I'll find a fix that'll work for everything, but I'll keep everybody updated. Good question. Hope I didn't ramble the answer too long. Up next, Wes and I are going to talk about our experiences with the open source scan converter, the Frame Meister, and basically just older consoles on newer TVs a la 2016. Um, there's going to be a page on the website about this pretty soon. I'm not sure if it'll be up in time with this video, but basically the page is going to have all the conclusions from the lag tests on it and uh, comparisons, links to other people's reviews. But this is kind of how we got there. So it's, uh, I guess, if the page is the what, this discussion is the why and how. So uh, if you're not into upscalers or something, you know, we talked for a while, so you might want to skip it. But if you have even the slightest interest in any of this stuff, especially the open source scan converter, um, I would definitely give it a listen because it's a fun talk and we kind of get in depth with everything that we found and all the conclusions that we came to. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, guys, I am here with Wes from Second Opinion Games. What's up, man? Hi, I'm, I'm nothing much. Doing pretty good. Are you uh, so, are you weirded out that you're on camera? You're not I am on camera, on camera <laughs> and everyone who's probably listened to my podcast, I think some people might have seen photos of what I look like, but this is what I look like. <laughs> and as always, when I record, I wear a Second Opinion Game shirt. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even paying attention. I got a Super yeah. Nintendo shirt on. Ooh, I, like, I, love, I love the Japanese colors for the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. And then in America, they're like, we don't want to confuse dumb Americans. So you get two shades of purple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all those colors, mate. You go, you go in there and you're like, whoa, this is this is too much. I need two shades of purple. I mean, this is, this is just not it. Normally when I do the podcast, though, I'm literally, like, in my pajamas. Oh, yeah. I mean, I work from home, and I, it's usually just shorts and a t-shirt. So yeah. it's not super gross. It's not yeah. like I'm sitting here in a dress or something, you know. Just, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You're, like, slowly putting on lipstick, looking into the camera. That is exactly <laughs> what I was, I was actually thinking of Jason Mewes doing the same thing in that movie, <laughs> making fun of the Silence of the Lambs part. But, yeah. Uh, I'm not wearing any pants. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, don't stand up. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I'm glad I dragged you on this. So uh, to give everybody a quick background, um, I started testing some of the, the new upscalers and the newer ways to play older games on TVs, uh, on flat-screen TVs, and I figured I need some, a little bit of help and a second set of eyes, so I'm going to drag Wes into this adventure with me. So um, I called him up and basically said, hey, are you in? And he said, yeah, of course. So we, I met him at his house, and we did the first round of testing, which was pretty cool. So we basically just used his GSCART switch to do one output, 
to a CRT monitor, and the yep. other one threw some of the um, scalers into his 4K TV. And then I repeated the same test at my house, uh, both in two uh, CRT monitors, so they're to test the zero lag thing. Yep. Then on my TVs and got all the same results, which is good. It means you know every time you could uh, recreate, you know West the scientist over here. Anytime you could recreate Absolutely. your experiment, yep. it's you know now it's been verified. Um, and it and it was nice too because we we have two different televisions, high def TVs that have been tested. They're just very different TVs. Uh, yours is yours a 4K? So I have two TVs that I tested on, yeah. uh, two flat screen TVs. Mm -hmm. One is a garbage bottom-of-the-barrel 4K TV. Seiki is the brand. Okay. Um, and I did this. I bought it just because it was like 200 bucks. and needed yeah. another TV. But I thought it would be perfect to test both how the 240p stuff and 720 goes into 4K. And mm -hmm. also just to have a, a, a you know another part or a crappy test, like a known failure yeah. point. And then I have a very nice uh, plasma TV that's professionally calibrated. And that turns out that that has between one and two frames of lag. Um which is pretty good. So that's pretty good, actually. Well, and what brand is that? Is that a Pioneer? No, or mine's a, a Panasonic G. Or Panasonic GT20. Ah, it's those the are the first year of the 3D. Okay. So, um, but I got it. You know, I got a buddy that does high-end installs, and at the time yeah. it was like <laughs> 2,800 bucks, and he got it to me for like 750 or something. Oh, doing backflips. So. Jeez, and those things are like the last of the Mohegans of that that yeah, style. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, so my television is something, and I've talked about on my podcast a lot, I did a lot of hunting and a lot of research. It's a Sony 4K, and if you guys are interested in 4K TVs, this is a great 4K TV for gaming, and if you're curious about hooking a 4K television up to, let's say, a kick-ass gaming rig, because this LCD 4K, it's it's uh, you want to get the 65-inch. The 55-inch has zoned lighting, which is good, but the 65-inch uh, Sony, and it's the X80C model, that one, each individual pixel has the light behind it, so it can do better, uh, deeper blacks. This one has the lowest input lag that I found within price reasoning. You can buy, like, these, a few Samsungs that are, like, almost four grand and it's just it's not enough or you have to like deal with a curved tv and i didn't want to go down that road <laughs> i know right uh but this one is very nice and we found out that this tv also has about one ish maybe two frames of lag right i, I think it averaged out about the same as mine at about one and a half yeah. frames of lag so. yeah and that's pretty great. much yeah it's great for a normal television that you buy it's not a professional gaming monitor, mm -hmm. uh, but that's what I was looking for. You know, 4K ability, a decent input lag that's well within reason, and you know, price. So yeah, the Sony's have are good. So for anyone who's curious on that, the Sony's are a good bet. Yep. So um, we tested three basic things, and I'm going to give a super short rundown, and then I guess we'll go over each step. So for your basic person that says I want to play on an original console, but I live in an apartment. I don't have room for a CRT. All I want to play is my Super Nintendo. Why do I have to spend hundreds of dollars? Um, the answer is get the HD RetroVision cable and yes. plug it in. So it's basically, in its most basic form, it's RGB to component, but it's a lot more than that in there. So we tested that for um, 
the basic test, and it was, I was kind of surprised at the results. And then, of course, we did the XRGB Mini because that's kind of the de facto standard now. Yep, for, the Framemeister. Yep. yep, the Framemeister. <laughs> and then the newest solution, the open source scan converter, which is pretty very interesting to say the least. There, yeah, there's going to be some uh, some some surprises in this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess um, I'll start with you and your uh, your experience with the HD retrovision cable. Now we only tested the SNES one, which can be used on SNES and 64s yeah. that have been RGB modded, and pretty much any console you put uh, a multi out on a SNES yeah. multi out. Uh, and I, we didn't test the Genesis one, but it's it's gonna run essentially the same. So yeah, I I enjoy it. I love the options it gives. My TV receives it well. Okay. Uh, and sadly, I don't. Ha I I have to do. I didn't take photos yet. I'll be sending to you to put on your site mm -hmm. uh, very soon. Um, I've had some. I've had a busy week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, so. But at uh, least in my I, experience, you'd be able what's to the tell price point immediately, of that cable? immediately how that those work with it. Because um, oh, yeah. some TVs detect 240p signals as 480i or not at all, and then others detect it correctly and, and scale it properly. So yeah. Um, and mine does. Mine and did. yours does. So, yes. you know, it fills the screen properly. It's not awkwardly stretched. Obviously, you know, you could just have your 4x3 setting to do it, you know. Yep. But. No, it's it's very... What's the price point on that? Mm. That cable? I think it's around 40 bucks. Yeah, it's... For the money, it's, it's a screaming deal. Especially if you have, again, original hardware. You're looking at your SNES, and you're like, I want to play this... You hook it up with the old composite, and it just looks crummy on your TV. Yeah. This is a great way to get it to this much better looking. It it, it looks better. It's definitely an improvement over stock cable, and the forty bucks price tag is to me it's kind of a no brainer, especially if you are going to be using original hardware. I would you know, I'd give yeah. it a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. So I um. I, I've known, you know, Steve was on last week, I've known those guys about a year, and I was very interested to see, because the certain scenarios where those cables I know would be perfect, like, you know, you have an old CRT, it's got a component input, beautiful, mm -hmm. done, it's the best solution. But for me, on my crappy TV, it actually, not only did it detect the signal as 480i, but you could, uh, I took a slow-mo video that I'll, I'll post on the, the page when the review page comes up soon. But you could actually see, like, I zoomed in on the 240p test street, and number two was doing this, like that interlace. Really? Uh -huh. So it just, the built-in scaler in the TV was garbage. And the TV itself has three and a half frames of lag on average. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that, and I, I did that TV first just because my rig happened to be hooked up to that. Yeah. And I'm kind of nervous going, man, you know, I hope, I hope my final conclusion isn't that. And then I hooked him up to my plasma, and I was just blown away. It looked the difference. Yeah. I mean, it was. Um, it had the correct border, it was the correct size, and it was about the same as, like, a 480p Wii. So really? it, um, yeah, it was, I mean, if, if I, and especially because 1080p is an integer scale into the other um, 240p and 480i, or in 480p, um, if I just had one console, or just a Genesis and just a Super Nintendo, I'd probably be fine with that, because, you know, I'm going to game on my CRTs as much as possible, but sometimes it is nice to just chill on a big couch and have your, you know, huge TV in front of you. But I, I thought it was a, a perfect solution for somebody that, as, as long as your TV detects it correctly. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's safe to say that if your TV is a newish name brand... TV, it probably can handle it. 
right now we don't have a lot of point contacts, but your no-name brand didn't. No. So the one thing that I didn't know that Steve talked about last week is if you take um, – and I kind of knew this, but I forgot that I could even use it as a test. Just take your composite video cable and stick it into the green input of a component video input, Ooh. and the colors will be off, obviously, but you'll be able to detect whether your TV can use it, and you'll be able to tell pretty much right away how it looks, oh, even with no a... color. If it's all crazy on yeah. the screen, then, you know. That's a great test way. Ah. Yeah, so that's that is. I'll make sure to, to put that on the page too. But then the only other thing he warned is some TVs now um, composite and component share inputs. So if that's the case, just make sure that you go into the menu and select component. Compo okay. So that way, yeah, but so that it seems like a pretty easy test. And I would just it, that still gets my vote is if you just want one console up to a TV, as long as your TV can handle it, good. And to be honest, if your TV can't handle it might want to look into that because it might not be a good TV for gaming anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, there are definitely TVs that the built-in scalers are garbage, but they're fine for gaming as long as yeah. you run them in their native resolution. But, yeah, yeah, don't buy the Sparkomatic brand TV. Right. Where did you get your TV? I'm just curious. Tiger it's Direct had them online. Oh, okay. I saw it and my, uh, my mother's TV died, so that day I just... Picked up my TV out of my bedroom, drove it to her house, could take care of my mom. And then I said, well, I need a TV. But I watch TV every yeah. night in my bedroom for about two minutes. So <laughs> let me just yeah. get the cheapest thing possible. And yeah, it's fine for that. But yeah, it's probably, well, you, I mean, you probably got a great price. That was probably one of the box uh, yeah. ships washed ashore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they like, pulled them off. And like, all right, let's sell these at a discount. So I think between all of our TVs testing it and a few people um, that have also used those cables, I think it's a pretty baseline for, you know, if you want a good, I don't want to say low end because it's not, but if you want a good cheap solution, that's yeah. one. So I guess next, uh, the more common solution would be the FrameMeister. Yeah, the more expensive. And, and the thing I kind of preface it with this is, the the party line with a lot of this stuff is the frame meister is the end all be all and it is it's the best form but it at all it's all very expensive right you're looking at between 320 to 350 dollars depending on where you buy it and what deals you well, get on now you just recently bought yours so that's something i want yeah. i want you to talk about is what exactly did you buy for it cuz it's not just that 300 dollars that you see on ebay mm -hmm. from japan so. no it's it's a you have to be committed <laughs> to the RGB lifestyle for this to be worth your time and money. Uh, first thing, I believe I bought it from Solaris Japan, which is their direct, mm -hmm. you know, what was it, Macomsoft or Microsoft? Microsoft or something. Mecom yeah. It's like Microsoft, but you can't say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that makes the frame meister. So I, I bought it from Solaris Japan. That is the official outlet to get them through. And it comes with the there the 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 J SCART, if you will, the Japanese JP21 version. JP21, thank you. Which I can't use unless you go in and you rewire it. Right. Uh, I bought the SCART to Frame Meister cable from the UK Retro Cables website, okay. uh, which, by the way, gets sold out a lot. So yeah. I actually had to wait an extra week for that thing to come in. Yeah, there are two sellers that sell yep. that sell them, and I've I consistently buy cables from both of them, yep. uh, both under my personal eBay name and, and my other one just to kind of shake it up so they don't know it's me buying it, and I take them apart, yeah. and they're they uh, they've never been bad, but they're consistently yep. getting better every time. 
So Great. at worst, their their cable was good, and now some of the last few ones I bought are awesome. So those yeah. are good choices. And they have like little updates on their page and like how they're improving the shielding and just right. the overall build quality. So they yeah, they have some really good stuff. So I got that in. That was with shipping and handling, probably thirty ish dollars mm-hmm. around. Remember, it's converting over from pounds, and it also right. depends on how the conversion works that week. Mm-hmm. So because I do everything p- through PayPal. So you're adding 30 bucks on top of that. Now, the idea is the RGB cable from the system to the actual Framemeister, right. which is it's it's that's dealer's choice. Did you get your system RGB modded? Do you have the right cables? And that to me is a you know from zero dollars to any amount of money you want to spend. So yeah. Um... Yeah, and I kind of want to leave that out of this discussion because Absolutely, it is very yeah. plausible for you to just buy, you know, three consoles, three RGB cables, and yep. then the female SCAR input version, which I think is what you have anyway in there. Yep. Um, so you don't really need any of that extra stuff. So yeah, You don't need a switch. You don't need right. – you can go in and plug in. So I'd say like the Frame Meister – you know, bare starting, if you have the consoles and you've already invested in some RGB cables for the consoles – you're looking at about $330 plus another $30 to get the uh, SCART version, the SCART to Frame Meister cable, which is probably but what you want. Now, didn't you also have to buy a remote overlay? Otherwise, it was in Japanese? That is, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, which I got from the UK Retro Gaming Cables. They so the same guy that does the cable does the overlay, right? They do the overlay, which comes in a variety of colors. <laughs> uh, I got the generic color. But they're all, all the overlays are $5, and I, I swear to you, those of you who are listening, you must buy this overlay. It will just save you so many headaches. Because otherwise you have to, like, hold the remote up against, like, your cell phone to do the yeah. conversion to see. <laughs> right. All right, so this Japanese character is menu. All right, menu. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So and, you're really looking at, at when all is said and done. I mean, you're talking about 400 bucks for everything, maybe a little less. Maybe a little less than $400. Plus, you also have to have a micro SD card, which I'm sure is that you can get those very cheaply. Right. Because you will have to do two things. You're going, when you get the Frame Meister, it's going to have an operating system in it from like two years ago almost. Uh, there's great walkthroughs right on Solaris of Japan's website, or you can go to, what's that site that has all the, the preloaded, done. Frame Meister settings. Oh, the Firebrand X. Firebrand X, which is also on, on RetroRGB. There's a link to it. Uh, he'll have the same walkthrough of how to update it. You're going to want to put the new operating system on the SD card and put it into the Frame Meister because the menu is entirely in Japanese and it's <laughs> an older operating system, so there's actually missing a lot of really useful functionality. Right. So you want to upgrade that as soon as you get the Frame Meister. So if I you said, go thank to the you. Firebrand X website, at the moment now, there's one page that has pictures of all the consoles, uh, but not all the links work yet. He's updating for each one and he's doing a great job. But basically, what he did was he actually took and configured each console to have the most perfect integer scaling for the frame meister. Yep. A year ago, maybe a little more, would have taken your average person just hours to set up the frame meister. Yeah. Now you literally get your SD card, you know, you follow the instructions to update it, and then you just put all of his uh, up to 20, because the frame meister can only hold 20, but up to 20 of his patches on a card, 
and that's it. You're playing Super Nintendo, you press the button, go through the menu to data, go to Super Nintendo. You're playing, you know, Super Game Boy or Game Boy Player. You could even yep. scale it to that. So that does make everything infinitely easier for your whoever's buying this thing. So Oh, absolutely. To the point where that he alone has made the Framemeister just like worlds better. Yeah. Just that alone. Yeah. So that, now that, this is something like like I am a nerd and I do enjoy this stuff, but I also enjoy playing my games. Yeah. <laughs> if it takes me three hours to set something up and I only have an hour left to play a game, it's not yep. fun for me anymore, you know? Yeah. So this is this is that is definitely it. So you know, four hundred bucks including the SD card, maybe an hour of your time the first time you set it up to get everything updated and figure out sometimes uh, the frame meister's limit of twenty. I found out sometimes it works with 20. Sometimes I have to have 19. I don't know. I was exactly. It's weird, yeah. Yeah, you got to reboot it a bunch of times. But yeah. once it's locked in, it's locked in. Everything's good. Yeah. So um, on my TVs, it was pretty easy um, because uh, uh, Firebrand X did all the work for us. So yep. on my 4K TV, it looked like garbage and ran like garbage because of the TV. Yep. So, but um, <laughs> I just kind of moved right along from that, and it was, you know. It, it was almost five frames a lag at this point. So Jeez. the XRGB Mini is about one and a half, and then that TV is three and a half, so that was right out. Yeah. And then on my Plasma TV, it was perfect. It was the 4X scaling, which uh, he'll explain what comes after this, but mm-hmm. you know, it has a little... It's exactly four times the size of the original 240p, but it's less than 1080p, so you do have black bars on all sides. Yep. And then the 5X scaling that he did, I thought, was just... Perfect, because it yeah. had about the same, if not less, overscan than you'd find on your average old consumer-grade uh, CRT, yep. and it filled the screen perfectly on my 1080p TV. So that's when it got really interesting on yours, because I wanted to know how it was going to look <laughs> each, how it was going to scale, if there's going to be a weird shimmering effect, like we did the My Life in Gaming Contra tests, you know, yep. the first level of Contra, and look at the rocks to see if they shimmer or yep. not. So, I don't know, I, I had a really hard time... Uh, you know, I couldn't find much wrong with that solution on your TV, I guess. I yeah. didn't really, there wasn't much I could find that I would have wanted to change. What do you think about that in 4K? It was, I mean, for me, it was, again, it almost felt like when we were playing the the Genesis stuff and the Super Nintendo stuff and your modded, you brought in the NES. It was right, mostly yeah. the NES stuff was just, like, Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, to the point where, especially like the 5X and the Ford 5X, it felt like it was a developer redeveloped it for the screen. Mm-hmm. It felt that good. And I was like, wow. And of course, with the the Frame Meister adds, what, probably a frame and a half of lag? Yeah. So with my TV and your Plasma TV, you're looking at about being, you know, a three-frame lag, which for most things is pretty fine. Right. So I actually have your tests here from oh, yes. when we did it at your place. And it is – it looks like about three and, a, three and a half frames of lag total on your TV. Uh, with the Frame Meister. With the Frame Meister. So yep. your inherent scaler um, up into that. So um, – and th- – there was no difference whether we were running in 720p, 1080p, you know, what the deal with that. The, yep. It all, much like my TV, it handled it the same, which is actually a thing. So, Phonedorks yep. TV, um, it takes a lot longer for it to upscale 
anything than if you do it in the native 1080p mode. So, yeah. And he's got a Sony TV as well, I think, but his is a sl- uh, 1080p version. So Actually, that was cool. and that, I did a podcast entirely on my old Sony TV, which I bought probably two years into the life cycle of the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. It, at 720 pre, at 720p, I didn't really notice input lag. And when I upgraded to the PlayStation 4 and it was giving it a 1080p signal, it was noticeable. Especially games at the time I was playing was Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne. And those games, you kind of, the Twitch reactions count. And I was noticing, like, this, there's something different. There's something going on here. And then that's when I really delve into the world of input lag and television vying, which took me yeah. about three months before I made a decision on the current TV I have now. Uh, so, but, yeah. your average person, though, on, on a TV like that, three and a half frames of lag, not going to notice at all. Absolutely not. Um, I do because I'm kind of crazy with stuff like that. I can yeah. tell input lag and, you know, it's, but, um, yeah, so that was that was pretty cool how that worked. Um and then we tried the, you know, it looked good in 4 and 5x scaling. The only thing that, you know, now going into a 4K TV is the scan lines did look a little weird yep. once we started at, you know, once it started moving up to 4K, especially in the 5x mode with the, you know. So that is the one thing I would say is uh, I don't know if I would run scan lines, uh, at least in 5x mode on a 4K TV. It did look with, a little With the frame meister. Yeah, we had the pictures of the. Uh, I'll put those up too. But we had the pictures yeah. of like um, Samus and Super Metroid from that. So. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Like the 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 scan lines look too thin, and they almost look like they don't line up with the actual pixels. No. But in the 4x mode, even with the XRGB Mini, they look pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then with. Then we did the open source scan converter, the OSSC on your TV. Yes. Um. Surprises abound. <laughs> yeah. So the first surprise is when I did the tests. Um, so it was, uh, I think it was a Super Nintendo or a Nintendo into a PVM. The outputs of the PVM went into, um, I think it was a VGA. No, it was just the output of the uh, PVM into either the FrameMeister or the OSSC. Yep. And then from that into an HDMI to VGA converter into yep. my BVM. So it's all analog uh, except for the um, the actual processor. Itself. The actual upscaler, yeah. So you'll be able to tell the true lag. And just as a, a couple of tests, you know, I did um, uh, I did a few different consoles. I did, you know, like uh, the comp- uh, HD retrovision cables. So I got consistently zero lag on all TVs when it was all analog. So that, you know, just yep. to make sure there was nothing funny going on. Um, Which was this basically the same setup we did at my house. But with two CRTs. With two CRTs. Oh, you did it with two, yeah. Right. And then I also tested a few different HDMI to VGA converters, and even an HDMI to HD SDI, which some higher-end uh, BVMs have, which is basically like a, an industrial um, digital input. Yeah. Kind of strange, but... We got zero lag on all of those things, oh. so I thought that was pretty awesome. So it's a good starting point. <laughs> um, I, when I did my open source scan converter tests, plugged it in, put it in line triple mode, did the test, zero lag. I went, wait a minute, something's up. So uh, the way I did it was I ran the stopwatch test just like we did at your house yep. with the DSLR as fast as it can go with it still actually having light show up. So I forgot what it was, but it was like one. One one hundredth frame per second or something. So it was 
Wow. You know, it was as fast as, you know, much more fast. Eh, sorry, much faster than a human would notice. Yes. So it's a pretty <laughs> darn accurate test. So when we tested the OSSC on your TV, it was consistently the same lag as your just your TV, about two frames. Yep. Which is awesome. Um, it worked pretty good in 480p mode because your TV scaled it okay. But when we had it in line triple mode, it looked phenomenal. It looked really good. To and the there was point, no weird issues either. Nothing. And and I, I don't know if you want to say this now, when we did when we added scan lines, the yeah. scan lines looked amazing. Looked perfect. They looked perfect. Whatever the, whatever the uh, what is it, the OSCC? OSSC. Oh, OSSC. There we go. OSSC. The OSSC is something we do in education. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the OSSC was like, wow, this is really good. Now it's at it's at 720p. Yeah. It cannot do 1080p. No, and it it's not a true 720p. The reason it gets yeah. zero lag in upscaling to that resolution is because it takes the original resolution that's coming in and just triples it. Yep. So it doesn't ha have any buffer, which means it's not compatible with many TVs. But it was compatible with yours, so... Yeah, yeah. which is... And again, this is something I, I've said a lot of the time. If you're trying to get into this world and you're curious about if your high-def TV can go into it, I would definitely look into the upper-end Sonys. They're very friendly. And you've, yeah. seen, you've seen it in person. You were impressed. Very. Uh, well, you're like, wow, this TV actually recognizes things. And I was like, yeah, it's, it was a long journey <laughs> trying right. to find this TV. But the... So you got my TV, three and a, my TV and your TV, three and a half frames lag total through the FrameMeister. Yep. I did notice, without a doubt, playing the OSSC on your TV, I, didn't, I couldn't really tell any lag, to be honest with you. It was, it was impressive. It was very impressive. Yeah. What, what is the price point for that? It's about two hundred bucks, and then you gotta okay. buy a power supply, which is uh, it's under ten on Amazon. Yep. Um, there's still a waiting list, and you know, there's still it's gonna be a few more months before it's readily available. Yep. But um, yeah, I I was blown away at the performance. Yeah. Um, now here's where stuff gets a little weird, though. Now you happen to get lucky, and your TV worked. And if I if I owned that TV and I was borrowing all this equipment, there's no doubt in my mind I would just buy the OSSE. Both because it's cheaper, it's open source, so there's going to be continuous features added yep. all the time. Um, but it, because of its non-standard output, it's not compatible with my TV and many others. And yep. it's very strange in how you deal with 1080p. Is it going to get stretched and smushed? Is it going to be anything else? Yeah. So one solution to that, um, Matt from Video Game Perfection always talks about it, is to get a DVDO upscaler and mix them together. So I got... <laughs> This gigantic thing. Uh, yep. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> DVDO iScan DP50. And it's got just an amazing amount of inputs wow, and stuff. Wow, look at that. And this thing was really expensive when it first came out. Yeah. Um, but if you'll notice, that is its serial oh. port. Oh, goody. So yeah, the that's... reason I wanted to talk so much before about your FrameMeister setup and how long it took to get everything done, I still have not gotten that thing working properly. I bought it from an eBay seller that, it was not shady, it was very nice, but it, it was very quiet about the fact that it didn't come with a power supply. So I ordered one from China, because all the power supplies in America were 90 bucks. Took three weeks to arrive from China. The thing doesn't really fit, kind of just bounces around on the inside. Uh. Hooked it up, used it, five frames of lag. Just with the processor, not even with the TV. 
So I talked to Matt, you know, I instant messaged him right away, like, what yeah. the hell, dude? You told me to buy this thing. <laughs> and he said, well, no, no, you, is it in game mode? Did you turn off cadence detection? So I go, look, doesn't have it. It has an old version of the firmware. Oh. So then I have to buy a USB to serial cable because my computer isn't from 1999. And I got it, doesn't work. It keeps, you know, the, uh, the I do the long process. And it, this isn't something where, like, you load up a piece of software and hit go. You have to log in through a terminal and follow instructions, yep. which for me, the nerd is fine. But, I mean, if you don't, if I wasn't a nerd, I would probably have given up by now. So didn't work at all. So then I had to go get a serial cable and I got the wrong one. So that's uh, that's why the... The overall thing isn't the review isn't finished, and I will finish it once I get that. Yeah. But what Matt claims is that um, VP50 only adds about a frame of lag, making the total, uh, the actual total lag, about the same, if not less than the com- the Framemeister. Frame so, and even if you're just using a 720p TV, it will take that 720p output and and make it standardized. And it also, um, although it doesn't have integer settings, it has a special zoom function so that you could actually zoom it to 4x, 5x, and kind of just do it manually. And, you know, because it's got HDMI inputs, now you can do things like take the um, HDMI GameCube and upscale it through that and a bunch of cool stuff. So if if you get one, and if it has the right firmware, and if there's no weird things, it's like... So I'm actually sending it as soon as I, if I get it running, and as soon as it's workable, I'll do the the game mode test to see what lag it actually has, and then I'll send it to Firebrand X to have him go through. And I I really am going to kind of take everybody's opinions as a whole where before I do the final conclusion, because I kind of think a lot of the guys in the scene have their have their niche. Like you get yeah. Futter, he could look at a, a video, tell you what was wrong with it tell you, you know, why it was wrong with it. What you, I mean, he ha- it just has an eye, especially when it comes to encoders and different things. And then you get Firebrand X that could actually go in and, you know, he analyzes a picture and can do the exact measurements to tell if it's a perfect scale, if there's anything off from it. So, and that's why his FrameMeister profiles look so good. Oh, so, yeah. As and far as lag goes, the OSSC wins hands down. And with and with replication of scan lines. Yeah. And that is something that's going to be different on your TV than mine because yeah. everything we're pumping through gets touched by your TV scaler. Um, but so 4K TV scan lines is a big deal for everybody that has one of those. Anybody yeah. that's still on 1080p, Framemeister line up. So I don't know. I, I just uh, – I'm still not quite sure where I'm at, but I, I love the OSSC and the fact that uh, Marcus is still – um, updating it all the time, still working on it. Just emailed me a test firmware to try out with a few new features. So that yeah. um, that is gaining. But I would happen based on what I've seen. If you're really into retro gaming today, right now, and want to start playing, still got to get a FrameMeister. Still got to get a FrameMeister. I would I would definitely, especially if you're not as well versed as we are. Right. It's funny because he, you know, you're texting me earlier today. You're like, I got to get a serial cable. And I'm like, I could drive to my school and see if I could find <laughs> one in a box somewhere. Because I know we, you know, all of our old science equipment used to run on serial cable back in the before time. Right, right. Uh, before the universal serial bus came out. <laughs> yes. Um, it's funny because I have a bunch of 
USB to serial converters, but they're older ones, so the USB is USB 1, which sometimes a motherboard won't recognize properly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, now you start getting into the minutia of that stuff, and you're just like, oh. So, for anybody that already has a high-end scaler like that, or would yeah. be willing to jump through the hoops, as long as the lag is the same, and as long as it doesn't screw up the integer scaling... Um, it actually seems like something like that DVDO with the open source scan converter would be the better way to go. Yeah. But that's more money because one of these things with a power supply and with the right firmware can be three or four hundred bucks. Mine was about two hundred plus, you know, power supply and everything else. Yeah. Um, so now we're talking, you're looking at four fifty. So it's fifty bucks more than the Framemeister and a lot more hassle. It's more Rube Goldberg-like. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of things with wires sticking out everywhere. And this is one thing we talked about personally. And this is something that the Framemeister suffers from, but the the open source one also more so is it's really hard to put this somewhere because the the way the ports are situated. Yes. You know, you you have this box... And for those of you who are just listening, I'm making a box with my fingers. Uh, <laughs> and you have a myriad of ports coming out of each of the three ends. I also, the Framemeister has two ports in the front and the rest are in the back. And the main one that you're probably going to be using with all this is the RGB in, which is in the front. And then you have to have the converter. So, yeah, you're looking at just, yeah. Th- yeah so here's the, the open source can converter on top of the DVDO one. And exactly. it's, you know, it's a lot smaller, but if you could see where the wire's sticking out and there's ports on all and sides. you're going to have a SCART cable, plus that one you're going right. to have to face a certain way so you can see the, the little menu LCD screen. So this actually, now that I look at it like this, on top of the open source scan converter, it's probably the perfect fit because you'll need that much space. On yeah, top. you... <laughs> so you need twice yeah. the footprint as you would with a Framemeister. Now, I'm all about making something look like it was made by Doc Brown. So, I mean, I totally, and I'll go in with the uh, little label makers and put the little, like, pressure label makers on everything (laughs) because it just looks totally badass. But that's something, especially people, even if you are really into this RGB thing, I have a big downstairs, and I still have a premium of room I got to figure out. Yeah. And I want to put things on certain cards so I can roll them around. I mean, I'm looking at your poor little area. You have boxes and shelving everywhere. Well, these so. are all on wheels, too, so I put yeah. it back so at least there's a, a somewhat of a lighting backdrop. Otherwise, you know, if it's really bright out and the sun comes from the other window, I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> but, You're just a man in shadow. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you just see the glowing Super Nintendo symbol. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing about the open source scan converter for now is if you buy the pre-made ones, the pre-assembled, it's only a DVI output with no audio. So you could obviously do a DVI to HDMI cable. Um, and even all of my TVs, including the crappy one, if I just plug that into one HDMI port and then just use the left and right audio inputs that are there, the TV automatically detected there was no audio in the signal and used the one from the other yes. thing. So it was, that actually worked fine for me. Um, the do-it-yourself kits are not do-it-yourself. Uh, I am not the world's greatest solder. I, I, you know, I'm not the world's greatest modder, but I'm good enough to do an ultra HDMI mod, and yeah. you know, I could do a SNES mini mod in my sleep. This is not for the faint of heart. You need to know how to do surface mount things. It's almost, I mean, you almost yeah. have to bake it rather than solder it. So um, he, I believe, he's talking to different people about uh, having different resellers around the world 
who buy the pretty much just buy the parts, buy the kits, and then either sell the kits or, or assemble them themselves. Uh, and there is another addition board you can do that will attach the audio to it. Those are all still kind of getting ironed out. And the yeah. firmwares that he's working on, one of the things he was talking about is 480p line doubling. So it's still 960p, so you still get um, black bars on uh, both 1080p and 4K TVs. Okay. But, um, I mean, the future is wide open for this thing. And he's, yeah. you know, he's definitely big about being open source. And I'm sure, as with everything else on the planet, there's got to be a follow-up product that he's planning. So for the short term, I mean, I, I still would call out Framemeister, um, but everybody should keep an eye on this because it's got yeah. potential to be pretty huge. So. Now, I'm just curious, is there any rumblings for another Framemeister, an update to the Framemeister? Yeah, um, there has been for a while, but... Um, you know, business culture, and especially Japanese culture, so I spent a lot of time in Asia for work. I kind of, yeah. you know, I'm not Asian myself. I didn't work in their companies, but I, I worked literally inside their businesses for a while. Yeah. And it isn't it isn't the American smash and grab, you know, every time you get something new, throw it down the customer's throat. Yeah. It's, you know, their product is selling fairly well. I think when I somebody talked about their numbers, they'd sold 8,000 total, which is very good. Yeah. Especially for a niche product. And I don't think they're going to release anything until, I mean, when the open source game converter, if that gets to a point where it could handle everything you throw at it, then we'll probably see the next. Yeah. Because I think two reasons. One, they want to use their, you know, existing product as long as they can. But also, 4K upscaler chips are still pretty expensive. They're just yes. now coming down in price to be reasonable. Who's and, ma Is that mostly Texas Instruments has that? under wraps right now. There's a couple is, of different companies that are licensing their chips for that. That um, are licensed because that was I was looking into it because after you and I we had a conversation about this, I did some research and right now it seems like all of the licensing is going through TI. Right. And they're usually it's funny, Texas Instruments is like the Unilever of the yes. world of, of tech, you know, it's you're just yeah. like at some point you have like these thirty different companies, and then at the very bottom, like you know, from patent from Texas Instruments, and you're like, ah. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious to see when the price drop is something on something like that. But they're weird too; they're all over the place because I think we're we're still in a time where it's hard to get 4K content right out, and it's. It's just we're in a weird time right now where, you know, the 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 wafers of these 4K TVs were so easy to make. Yeah. So every new TV now is 4K, and then you're like, where's my 4K content? And, you know, right. everyone just shrugs their shoulders like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I think, I think also by leaving the Frame Meister out there for so long, they've learned, yeah. I hope at least, that they've learned a lot from it because yeah. even in little things like the, the color space, that the Framemeister uses is slightly different than the OSSC, which is why the colors, um, Blitz just put in his, uh, I think just today he actually uploaded the review. Uh, I'm definitely going to link to that both in this video and oh, awesome. on the review page. But um, the colors will actually look better through the OSSC overall. So, you know, little things like that. And what I'd like to see from anybody, I mean, I guess I'd more partial to the open source stuff just to support the guys in the community. Absolutely, but, yeah. Um, what I would really like to see is basically a longer version of the OSSC, all the ports in the back, integrated sound, <laughs> a much more powerful chip, and then an on-screen menu that, much like with the Ultra HDMI, if you turn off one option, everything else grays out type of thing, 
uh, to turn on and off the frame buffer. So turn the frame buffer off, you lose a lot of the extra features, but, uh, but it's zero lag, pretty much. I mean, I, I think the lag is measurable, but certainly not by a camera and, and eyes. Yeah. Um, and that way you could just have it as low lag as possible, and if your TV is compatible, awesome. If not, yep. turn on the frame buffer, which is usually about one frame of lag if done right, and that's when you get a bunch of different options. And that's when you get the cool things like Zoom, compatible with all TVs, yep. you know, the different... Um, so that's definitely what I would like to see, and I would also like to see uh, either, I mean, definitely the FrameMeister, um, it be able to, to deal with any type of sync automatically. Now, the OSSE is already kind of working on that, but yeah. right now, if you plug in a Genesis, you have to turn on the sync low-pass filter, um, which, yeah. even if you're not a nerd, if somebody just tells you, hey, if your console doesn't work, press this button three times yeah. and set it to two, <laughs> that's, that's fine, but it would be yeah. nice if there were automatic settings to detect. So I don't know how that would work without a frame buffer. Is there a boot period? Do you turn on the thing, get your game yeah. going, and then it you know, scans and goes back to? I don't So I'm almost curious if it should be a setup kind of like how the FrameMeister has where you just you, you go to Firebrand, you get the pre-made ops, where right. this one would just have like, you know, oh, you have a Genesis. Click the Genesis button. You know, well, click. that's one of the questions that I was asking Marcus, and, you know, can yeah. we do something like that when you have a profile mode? And he said, yeah. you know, good idea, I'll add it to the list, but he's got a long list. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, and for the record, you can do that with a DVDO upscaler, but you have to manually program it yourself. Okay. So it has, I think, ten settings, so you could program one for each, you know, each major use, but you can't then share it with other people. You could write down your numbers, yeah. so, and but that's... And now your setup's back to hours and hours rather than yeah. <laughs> minutes. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm impressed with all the solutions, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it. But um, definitely still FrameMeister for an easy today solution. A cheaper solution is the HD retrovision cables. And, and it, we should also say input lag with the HD retrovision cables. Zero? Zero. in your TV. Other than the TV. So that's something... Let's say you find out that your TV through the great Vine you research, you're saying, oh, well, you know, my TV has about three frames of lag, and that's acceptable. Right. And we're all talking about, when we say frames of lag, this is th 60 frames per second, not right. 30 frames per second. Just to get that out there. I think some people mispreface mm -hmm. it that. Uh, out of that, you know, out of 60 frames per second, we're talking the drop of two to three frames. Uh, but with that retrovision cable... There's none. It's literally direct into the TV, and you don't have to worry about that, which is right. also kind of a, a thumbs up for that, for the $40 solution. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I like to, I mean, I love to nitpick about these things, but the overall experience is what really matters to me, because as much as I'm a nerd and I love playing with every setting and trying everything, at the end of the day, if I'm in a boss battle and my t shots are timed one hair off because yep. there's now four frames lag... It might look pretty, but I don't care anymore. Yeah, Whereas, you know, HD Retrovision Cable, you're reliant on your TV's upscaler, which luckily my Plasma did a great job. I played through all of Super Metroid Hyper something, whatever that last... Yeah, Hyper Metroid. Was, Hyper Metroid. And I, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely yeah. great. So, Yeah, I always, tell, I always tell people, especially when they try to go back and they have, like, the nostalgia feeling for the original Mega Man or R-Type, something one of those games, and they suck. And I'm like, well, you know, part of it may actually not be you. You might still suck. Yes. But there might, you know, you're just probably used to playing these games. These games were meant with zero lag. 
Yeah. And now you're playing Guts Man stage, and those jumps are just killing you. And yes. you're like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, because it was actually AVGN that kind of made me realize. And I, I would laugh at his videos, and uh, the nostalgia would come back. And then I kind of yeah. realized, like, well, there is some nostalgia for me, but I really just like these games. And yes. they don't make the same types of games anymore, so to really experience them, you need... And in my opinion, it most important would be a low lag solution. Yeah. So, which it's funny because now that is becoming a huge point of contest in the competitive gaming field. Yeah. So you see these people that are playing CS:GO, they're playing Battlefield, they're playing a lot of these high end, even like Dota and stuff, mm-hmm. or uh, League of Legends. They these people are buying these one millisecond monitors. Yes. Yeah, they're spending crap tons of money to make sure that oh, I need a direct display port pipeline into my GTX 1080 for the win yeah. edition. And, you know, the input lag is real. You know, the, the hype is real when it comes to this high-end stuff. Uh, if you if you want to you wanna play these games, uh, I, it's funny because a lot of the people, there's like two camps I've noticed. A lot of people who have nostalgia more for the Super Nintendo games, they're not much Twitch players. Like you'll get you'll get by off a lot of the Super Nintendo games, especially playing the RPGs, mm-hmm. which I feel like the retro the Retrovisions cable is perfect for. Uh, even if you play like Mario Kart and stuff, that stuff's not. Yeah. Yeah, but you're trying to play Contra, R type, trying to play Mega Man. Mega Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh Mega Man. I was playing a well, even the later levels in Super Mario World. You know, yeah. it just. Yeah, it matters. So. It does, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure we uh, we explained everything. Well, probably over-explained everything. Sorry, guys. I know I talked no, a lot. Fun. But, like, it's uh, fun. I really hope... Um, I just wanted to give not just the answer. If you want just the answer, go to the page, skim through it, go to the conclusion. Yeah. That's it. I just kind of... A lot of people often email me and ask basically why. So yeah. uh, this was a good... I think I feel like we did a good job kind of giving the experience through and walking people through what they might expect if they tried to go down these same paths. And it's good to see the journey. People like you actually putting the time and effort. Yeah, it, it's tough because you get people like, oh, you know, how did you do that? Because <laughs> I don't believe this. And now, now you're basically like, here's me explaining it for a half hour of what yeah. I did. Uh, and that's important. It's important to see that someone's going and taking the time to do all this. Yeah, and I like I like to try very hard to always post proof. So, yeah. you know, when I was first starting the website, it was getting a little overwhelming. I'd say things like, all right, well, I spent like 10 hours trying it. You know, answer is blue. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you know, I don't like doing that anymore, especially because of a lot of the people, like you actually, guys that put the time in to help me. I feel like I want to show, hey, here's oh, how we got to this because this yeah. is legit. We're not just talking out of our asses. We proved that this is for real. Yeah. So. We did it for science. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right. Well, um, thank you very much for coming on. I'm going to have you on again Absolutely. at some point. We'll go through the whole weekly rundown together. Next time there's a, a fun or silly topic, you got to come and just do the whole thing with me. Oh no, it'll be it'll be great. And I'm sure I'm sure we've already talked, and we won't say it on here of other other shenanigans that we'll be researching in the near future. Oh, yeah. So it'll be fun. Yeah, uh, you guys could definitely see Wes popping up on here more often now because <laughs> we're we're getting into a bunch of nerd projects. So yeah, let's see what we can find. It's one of those things. It's like, wait a second, you live. 30 minutes away from me? <laughs> Why haven't we hung out sooner? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the distance is convenient. We're going to yeah. drag Evan out of Brooklyn one of these days, too. Oh, absolutely, so. absolutely. So that just about wraps up all of the testing that we did. 
Um, I as soon as the VP fifties firmware gets updated and I could do that full testing, uh, I'll report back and finalize the page. Um, hopefully we'll have Firebrand X on soon to be able to explain his perspective on everything and especially how the DVDO and open source scan converter mix together. Um, and you know any comments at all, obviously just or questions, leave it right in the YouTube video. Uh, subscribe if you like this. Um, the more people that watch them, the more I'll make. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening.